0: 18 plus
1: what the heck is going on here there's no trace troco there's no UCF Mike there's not even a Leo but don't you worry We have got a cast of thousands available to us here. Happy to be joined by a couple of friends of mine. First off, Eric Lopez. You may know him from the voice of UCF softball. He's called some volleyball games as well. In the Circle podcast. The star, I might add, of Around the Kingdom. And, of course, he writes words for the black and gold banner at Elo. Thanks for joining us tonight, buddy. Appreciate it.
2: Always a pleasure, and thanks for coming on. I think we've upgraded on the hair on the on sh- on the ge- on the,
1: ge- on the host here. <laughs> for sure. Yes. I know Mike's not here. Mike's a bit of a, a minus, but we'll figure that out. But the guy who's here is fantastic is our, our other host tonight, former student body president, current uh, columnist for the Sons of UCF.com, and a lover of all things <laughs> gold, Mr. Brian W. Peterson is with us. Brian, thanks for being on with us tonight.
3: Let me tell you what an honor it is to share a screen with these two guys
2: here, these two legends of UCF.
1: yeah, I didn't want to I didn't want to say anything, but we were you know <laughs> <laughs> Adam <laughs> and I are getting really used
2: mess. to Adam and I are getting used to seeing each other a lot. But that's all their
1: story. Third <laughs> show for Elo and I this week. there's starting to be rumors, but there's also rumors about UCF being a dominant football team potentially, and that's off the heels of the week one win UCF fifty six, Kent State six. Elo, I know you said on Around the Kingdom, this is kind of like a glorified scrimmage. Brian, I know you and I were there watching the game together for a period of time, too, so I'd love to get your thoughts. Elo, first with you, what were your biggest takeaways? What, what's, what stood out to you in this uh, in this 50-point drubbing of Kent State?
2: Just the depth overall that from the starters to the backups, they dominated the game. There was never any doubt in that game at any point who, who's, uh, who had the better team, who was going to win this game. Uh, Xavier Townsend was impressive. Just a lot of great athletes around the field. Uh, You know, it was solid. Like I said, you don't want to get too much caught up into it. It's Kent State's week one. We're going to learn a lot more this week. But it was nice for a change for a team to dominate this game. Uh, You know, we've had past games in UCF history where they've struggled against these inferior opponents. So it was good to see them dominate uh, on the field. And, you know, we'll see if they could build on that.
1: Brian, what was your takeaway?
2: You know, I was
3: really happy with our running game. Um, I think we were able to rotate in quite a few backs. We saw pretty much the full gamut of the running back room. Uh, So I was really happy with that. We saw the surprise of the wild McDonald, Jordan McDonald, taking the direct snap, punching it in. And can we give a round of applause to my new favorite player, Xavier Townsend? Because he was just he was lights out on uh, on Thursday last week.
1: We have to work on a better name than the Wild McDonald, Brian. If you can get back to us on that before the oh, end of the show, um, that'd be <laughs> that'd be great. Elo, obviously a lot of talk coming into this game about John Rice Pumley. We heard the phrase night and day close to 9.6 million times in the off season. What did you see from watching John Rice Pumley uh, on the field against Kent State?
2: I saw better mechanics from him. Uh, I think Darren Hinshaw has been working with him on that, which is something he said all the way back to media day. I think he's making better progressions. The negative, obviously, and I'm sure everybody has, has talked, is the, the decision-making, making those couple turnovers, the interception, forcing the ball, running the, a bit maybe at much, not protecting himself, not sliding, decision-making. That's going to be what's going to define John Rice Plumley this year. I, I think he has all the tools to be a really solid quarterback, but it's about consistency and decision-making that will define how good he was. But I did like the progressions. And the mechanics that he showed against Kent State,
1: I think uh, Patrick Nurse has you beat here, Brian, with the Wild Mac. Uh, Wild well, Mac, yeah. Although easy, I, yeah.
2: I think I've got uh,
3: I've got the name Wild.
1: Uh, oh, copyright. Now, so, okay, yeah, I don't yeah, want to copyright infringe. We need to come up with
3: something I'm, a little bit different.
1: On you there, So, Brian, two position groups I you know a lot of us were watching closely are the offensive line, which obviously went through some turnover and had some new folks, and the secondary, which also had sort of a, a bit of a turnover and some some new faces kind of breaking in there. Of those two units, which one do you think stood out best to you? Which one do you think sort of had the best performance out, out of O-line and cornerback or defensive backs, and which one do you kind of walk away feeling better about after one week?
3: i'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the offensive line um they are rotating in you know a new set of guys they're trying to figure out which guy is going to you know take the position better uh the secondary leaves me still with a little question marks um i would have liked to see them i mean that one pick was pretty great uh right before the half but they were uh kent state was able to throw the ball i thought pretty well uh, there was a couple plays where if the quarterback had hit their receiver in stride that the game may have been a little bit different. I don't think the game outcome would have changed. But our DVs, I was hoping to see a little bit more tighter coverage. Uh, but I think the offensive line, you know, they're still adjusting. They're going to take some time to gel over the season. Uh, and that's just the first game. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt of the secondary.
1: Well, Eric Edwards is uh, in Wyoming on his way to Boise, as is UCF. We'll get back to more UCF, Kent State in a bit. But, gentlemen, a nice game. He's tracing his back car there. Is I don't Trace really know where car. Trace is at. He's, he's MIA tonight. Uh, he's on assignment uh, handling some stuff. And maybe he's on his way to Boise. I don't know. He's in the equipment truck, maybe. He was in the back he's of that equipment truck. trespassing on somebody's field somewhere. Think he, yeah. got, he, think he got locked in there. But we got a, we, we're locked in for Saturday night, friends. 7 p.m. Uh, at Boise. Uh, obviously, a lot of talk about this game here. First, uh, just your initial thoughts, Eric, on, on this matchup and kind of what you're expecting out of, out of both teams. I know we still have some things to talk about. We'll have a, a Boise State guy on in a few seconds here. But what are your thoughts on overall this matchup?
2: it's interesting you bring up the secondary moments ago because I think both teams have got big questions in the secondary. And I think that's going to be a key factor in this ballgame. Both teams want to run the football. Boise State didn't run the football against Washington. They threw the ball, struggled their secondary, got just torched by Michael Penix and Washington, partly because they lost some personnel from last year's team. Can John Rice Plumlee and these UCF receivers take advantage of that? I know everybody's talking about the atmosphere in Boise. But they haven't been the same Boise team that they were under Chris Peterson or Kellen Moore and company, as we'll get into more in detail on that. So I think this is an important game. I think this game will set the tone for the rest of the UCF season. If, you, if UCF wins this game, they're going to go 3-0 and into conference playing the Big 12 and feeling good about themselves with optimism to perhaps do some damage in a Big 12 conference that's got some soft teams here based on one week. I know but it's winnable games. You lose this game. I think that's kind of that critical mindset of, oh, here we go. I don't know what how good we are. Some doubt steps in if you lose this game. So this is a very important game. Brian, your thoughts? Yeah,
1: I agree. I think
3: Elo headed uh, on the head there. They Washington gave us a blueprint as to how we can beat Boise, right? If we can throw the ball down the field, which – our offensive coordinator, Coach Hinshaw, has been talking about all offseason. We're going to open up the deep play. Um, if we can do that effectively, then we should be able to win this game comfortably. Um, I know that the spread has been moving back and forth. It was in Boise's favor. Now it's in our favor. Uh, but I think that if we can see JRP actually throw the quarter, or throw the football and be a quarterback more so than a running back, then I think we should have success on the field. Um, that blueprint has been given. My only concern is we know, or at least we've seen in the past, that Gus doesn't seem to have his team prepared for these road games You know, from time to time. And this Boise environment is going to be tough. We're going to be playing on the blue turf. It was a, a big conversation on Twitter today about the blue uniforms and the blue turf. Uh, Boise is going to come out ready, rest assured.
2: Physicality, Adam. Physicality is going to be a key also. UCF has got to play physical up front.
1: Well, let's hear from Boise State head coach Andy Avalos I'm at the media this week, this courtesy of our friends at uh, Bronco Nation News.
4: Yeah, offensively, um, there's some similarities. Um, different quarterback, I would say that um, there is. They've they've gotten some speed into the critical. I mean, their speed everywhere at their skill positions, their running back positions. Um, so, uh, from the from the structure, from what we've seen uh, last night and this morning, there's there's a lot of things that are similar. Um, again, there's a lot of offense. Uh, Gus has done a great job of putting together this package within his offense and has been very successful everywhere he's been. Um, and, you know, Henshaw has done a really good job. I mean, you can see what he's done with the philosophy and he's been a part of this before. And and so he knows it and, and they're clicking on all cylinders uh, last week.
1: Obviously, Andy Avalos knows a, a bit of the challenge uh, uh, facing him. Uh, but some of the UCF uh, players and coaches are pretty excited about it. I thought this was interesting. Quadric Bullard was asked this week a little bit about thoughts on playing Boise. Uh, and, Brian, you talked about the blue field. Uh, I think Quadric had some interesting comments as as it relates to playing on the blue field. Before
2: I even got into college, I was hoping to play on somebody's field that had blue or any color. I was just hoping to play on a colored field. And, I mean, like like was say, I mean, we're gonna go probably practicing a, a blue t- a blue turf field. I mean, it'll be it'll be a first time for me, and you know, it'll help us get adjusted to it going into because I've seen a couple videos on YouTube and things like that where teams actually hide their players in the, in the end zones of blue fields and things like that. And it's like we have to be prepared for this because you never know Boise might pull it out. They, they just came up with a loss, so they I mean, all tricks are up right now. So it 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 does help us a lot going going to practice on one to actually get get reps on the blue field.
1: All right, well, let's, uh, let's talk to somebody who knows a little bit more about Boise State and that blue turf, UCF's new favorite fan. It is BJ Raines, who is a member of Broncos News Nation. Uh, BJ, first off, thanks for stepping in with us tonight, man. Definitely appreciate you hopping in and talking a little Boise, Boise State UCF. Happy to
4: be
5: here. I'm just disappointed Trace Trilco is not here because nobody does the uh, intro preview walk from wherever he's at better than Trace. So I, uh, I love. I I started following you guys two years ago. Been watching the show since the game two years ago. But uh, every Tuesday or Wednesday when I get the uh, Trace Trilco Go Knights Charge On uh, intro, I was excited to chat with him. But you guys are going to be great to talk with as well. So happy to be here.
1: Yeah, well, we won't, we won't take that offensively. Trace is out practicing his walk and talk. he got to get new methods and new styles. <laughs> I, I liked it. It's so great. I might have to
5: steal that from him.
1: Let's start with this, BG. Are we cool? Like, it feels like UCF and Boise State on the Internet really blew up today. You had a a, a conversation with not Matt Prater, but Mike Prater, <laughs> who uh, does not appear to be joining our Facebook fan club page anytime soon. So are we cool, UCF and Boise? Do we, do we have beef? Do we have problems here?
5: i don't i'm cool i mean i i have no problem at all i actually love the city of orlando i'll be down there for boise state basketball they're playing in a tournament down there taking my kids to disney i mean i love orlando so uh i got no problem with ucf at all uh earlier i was on another show and they i i, I uh, kind of explained how some boise state fans feel and all of a sudden i turned in to be some jealous d-bag or whatever so that's just the way it goes i guess but uh you know i i I personally have no problem with UCF. I I think everybody's cool. I I think I would just say that, like, I I said it the other day, and I'll say it again. Like, I think some Boise State fans are jealous of UCF. I I do do think that uh, Boise State wishes they were – obviously, Boise State fans wish they were the ones that that got the Big 12 invite and that they were the ones going in the Big 12. So – uh, I think uh, UCF fans should be happy about that. Boise State fans are jealous. They wish they were in their position. So, uh, no, I, yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. Obviously, the game two years ago was a great game uh, coming down to the wire. Boise State's kind of got their backs against the wall on Saturday. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think Boise State fans, like I said, they, they feel what they've done on the field. Their product on the field speaks for itself. But when you factor in market size and enrollment and alumni and everything else, I don't think anybody really is – uh, arguing UCF getting in the Big 12, so uh, it is what it is. But I know Boise State fans deep down inside wish wish this were them with the Big 12 patch on this week.
2: Well, I, I'm good with BJ, I've known BJ a long time going back to where you had him on the radio show locally talking baseball, the St. Louis days there. Uh, so I, I that, that's probably me. I'm curious, BJ, how much of this though is Boise some frustration, hangovers from the fans? and even some there from the performance last week. You know, a lot of expectations this year, favorites in the Mountain West, and you kind of got manhandled by Washington. How much is that lingering, maybe some frustration out of some Boise thing.
5: Yeah, I mean, but again, like Washington was favored by 15 or something. So, I mean, the the, the rational, like realistic Boise State fans didn't expect them to go up there and win. Now, th- did they expect them to get blown out by 37 points, the biggest margin of, you know, defeat in like 25 years or something? Like, no. Um, but again, I, I think the, the, the whole thing going into this game is how much of that was Washington being really, really good and how much of that is Boise State being not very good. And I think it's somewhere in the middle, but where that pendulum is – I think few people are, you know, hoping it's more on the Washington side than the than Boise State not being any good, and we'll find that out on on Saturday. But um, yeah, I mean, I think they're frustrated. National TV, ABC, just totally embarrassed. You know, and it wasn't a wasn't a solid game. I do think the fourth quarter, the score got away from them a little bit. I mean, I don't think that. I mean, middle of the second quarter, that was a nine to seven game. Boise State was winning, so uh, I don't know if the final score. You know, truly reflects that the the way the game went, but uh, they got you know from the middle of the second quarter on, it was as one sided as it gets. And so, uh, no no excuses. It was not a very good game for for over half the game for Boise State. So I think that uh, you know, yeah, there's some frustration, but I think all along, like people were saying like Boise state is a pretty tough schedule. Like after this game, yeah, they get North Dakota, but then they're on the road at San Diego state on the road at Memphis coming up in a couple of weeks. Like this was the talk all summer. Like Boise state might be one in four and have a good team. Like, so I don't think like, Owen, oh like, Owen oh and one, is that, you know, surprising to people, maybe the way it happened in the score. But now all of a sudden, like, 0 and two is kind of staring them in the face, which hasn't happened since 2005 uh, for a Boise State team. So I think that's more where the, the angst and maybe the nerves are is that this is we haven't seen 0 and two around here in, you know, almost 20 years. And so I think that's where fans are a little on edge going into this one.
3: BJ, you and I had a little bit of interaction on Twitter earlier today talking about the 2017 National Championship that UCF claimed Had a little bit of fun with that. Um, I'm curious to know what are you expecting as far as a crowd for the game on Saturday I see that you know that Boise's trying to sell out the game that hasn't been announced as a sell out this is I mean UCF is now a power five team coming into uh, Albertson Stadium there what kind of uh, crowd do you expect for the game on Saturday.
5: Well, I will say this. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they've it'll be a sellout or close to it. I mean, it, it'll sell out every. It'll be full. I mean, it's they're only twelve hundred away, and they've got two days to sell tickets, and it'll be a electric atmosphere. They're debuting a brand new scoreboard. It's the biggest scoreboard in the, or video board in the Mountain West in the South End Zone. Just a huge towering video board that's going to help with the sound and stuff as well. They're debuting new LED lights, and they got a big light show planned. Although uh, it's going to be, you know, light probably for good portion of the game but this has been a game for a long time it's been very highly anticipated uh, ever since last season ended in terms of being the home opener I will say this Boise State I think overshot a little bit in terms of the uh, what they expected the demand to be. I mean, these ticket prices were pretty expensive for this game. And the rest of the home schedule is not very good. So I think they uh, tried to make back some of the money on this game. They thought they'd lose later in the season, and I think they overshot it. And the game against Washington didn't help. So they have had a little bit of trouble. Uh, I think they overmanaged the market, and so they gave away – several hundred tickets to faculty and staff and they've had to do some things to try to fill this place i mean the bottom line is it's going to be full it's going to be rocking but you know they did have to give away some tickets which you know it is what it is but um I, you know i i bought tickets for my wife and kids and it was like four hundred dollars for four tickets and you know i mean it was not it was not cheap and they're not even that great of seats and so um that's been part of the talk this week is the ticket sales and all that but it'll be sold out it'll be rocking home opener uh as i said uh they've been looking forward to this one for a long time with the new scoreboard the new lights and all the stuff they have going so it's it's uh it's gonna be rocking and it'll be uh, it'll be a great atmosphere for sure I, I, I think UCF fans, I mean, I know I, I heard behind maybe Oklahoma, this is like the road trip a lot of fans were excited about. I mean, I, I think that, uh, it, you know, as a Kansas alum, by the way, I am a big 12 guy, which for somehow made UCF fans not like me when I said that. But uh, I, uh, I do think Lawrence, Kansas is a sneaky good road trip, awesome town in Lawrence. But uh, I think Boise, man, for folks that are coming or already here are going to just leave thinking, man, that is a hidden gem right there because Boise is an awesome town. And uh, I think it'll be a fun for everybody, 36,000 plus uh, on, on Saturday evening.
3: We're not expecting any uh, rain delays like like you guys had to deal with when you came to Orlando a couple of years ago, are you?
5: No, it's supposed to be low 80s and sunny and perfect weather this weekend. And the great thing about Boise is there's no humidity. So, you know, uh, it could be 100 degrees, but it only feels 80 or whatever. I mean, it, 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 uh, yeah, it's, it's beautiful weather this weekend. It should be just picture perfect uh, on Saturday evening, yeah.
1: BJ, quarterback Talon Green, what does he do well? And when he's struggling, what, what kind of what kind of things is he prone to kind of do from a mistake standpoint?
5: I mean, very similar to the quarterback you guys have at UCF, a dual threat guy. I mean, he's a guy that, um, you know, this time next year, a lot of people will be believe in going into the season next year will be an NFL draft prospect. Uh, uh, maybe, you know, he, he's a guy that uh, has all the tools, 6'6", six, six, uh, he gets a lot of comparisons to Vince Young because he's number ten, looks a lot like him, is a dual threat guy. Uh, by no means, I'm saying he, his career is on the same trajectory, but uh, he he uh, is a dual threat guy, can throw it a mile. Um, you know, the problem was last year he had a lot of success running the ball. He is literally by miles per hour by the testing the fastest player on Boise State's team. Like he is, he is the fastest player on the team, and he's his quarterback. And last year he. As soon as the pocket would break down, he would just take off and run. And they really worked uh, this offseason about like staying in the pocket a little more, being more of a pocket passer. And I think that kind of backfired against Washington because he was almost afraid to run when there were some opportunities where he could have. Um, He only had five carries against Washington, and I think Boise State fans would love him to see see him be at least at 10. Um, So there's been a lot of talk this week about more designed quarterback runs. Um, you know, he's a, he's a, I I would say he's improving as a passer, but he has elite speed in the open field. And so, uh, if, if he can get out on the edge or if they can have some more, uh, you know, um, it, you know some more uh designed runs and that type of thing i think that's where he's at his best he's improving as a passer his accuracy again he came in midway through last season and took over as the So this is his first full season as the starter he's getting a lot of nil deals around town uh he's driving the ford truck you know from the car dealership he's made a lot more stuff that i think uh he's realizing you know it, it, it takes some of your time and your attention and that, that was kind of a humbling experience, I think, in game one, throwing two picks and not playing particularly well. So I, I think he's one of the many Boise State players eager in this one to show that that's not who they were against Washington last week.
2: Who are some of the playmakers that he's going to depend on? And, you know, watching a little bit of the Washington game, I, I was surprised how much they threw early. Uh, I thought they would try to run the ball more. You know, when I think of Boise State, I know people think of the Kellen Moores and, and the quarterbacks they've had, but Always, I always thought about their physicality. I didn't see any physicality out of Boise up front. I mean, was that just one of those games, or is there is that still a question about the identity of this team?
5: No, I would suspect they're going to try to establish the run much more against UCF. I think they tried to outsmart themselves a little bit. I mean, everybody thought this team would be very run-heavy this season. They got two backs capable of rushing for 1,000 yards. I mentioned Green, who rushed for like 600 himself last year as a freshman by only playing eight games. Um, I, I think everybody expected this to be a – Definitely a, a run-first uh, team, and they tried to outsmart themselves. Figured Washington would be expecting that. Pass the ball way too much in that game. So I, the talk all week has been got to establish the run, got to run the football. And you saw what Ashton Genty did, uh, you know, two screen passes of like 50-plus yards. He's a guy that I think they're just going to feed as much as possible. So I think Ashton Genty, number two, is going to be at, you know, 20-plus touches in this game. They got some other talented backs as well, but I think Genty and Green both are going to run the football more. They want to establish the run, and uh, I, I think that uh, you're exactly right that uh, you know they had two freshmen in the offensive line playing in that road atmosphere at Washington, and they actually did pretty good job for for you know seventy thousand on the road. And so you get a game under their belt as well. Um, I, I think you will see you know again maybe they think UCF's expecting that and they outsmart themselves again. But the talk all week has been. Got to establish the run. I think you're going to see much more you know, ground and pound for Boise State this week.
3: BJ, after the Washington game, and I, I assume you've watched a little bit or at least seen some of the highlights of the UCF game against Kent State last week. Watched it all live. Interest, are you more interested in seeing the Boise State defense line up against the UCF offense, or are you more concerned about the opposite, the uh, the Boise State offense going up against our D-line and and, and seeing what they can do against our defense?
5: No, I would say it's the UCF offense against Boise State's defense. Everybody saw the numbers. You saw what happened. Uh, again, and you know, again, this week I've been uh, accused of being an excuse maker, uh, because Boise state had some weird cleat issue. And again, they they would not have won the game. I'm just saying there were some plays where when you watch the tape, there's a wide open, uh, Washington receiver. And it was some weird thing with the Nike cleats for that game where they literally Boise state players were just falling down and slipping all over the field. And so, um, I, I don't, they wouldn't have won the game, but I'm just would like to see, what would happen uh, when Boise state isn't slipping and sliding and getting blown by on coverage coming out of breaks and stuff. So that was a weird thing. And then, you know, Boise state, you know, they have four guys in NFL training camps right now that don't, that were on that defense last year or, or on NFL rosters. I mean, they had two. They had the starting safety and a starting D tackle, both or D lineman, both get drafted. Like they lost some star power, and there were some guys moving into some bigger roles that played their first, you know, start or first time, kind of replacing these NFL players, and uh, it just didn't go very well for them. So I'm curious to see how those guys respond. Again, was it Washington? Is just really really good, or was it does Boise State have some serious problems here? And I think it's you know. Somewhere in the middle, but again, where does that side? I, I I'm not worried about Boise State's offense. They've got some receivers. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to score, you know, 50 points and win this game. But over the course of the season, I'm not worried about Boise State's offense. I think by by game 12, they're going to put up their points. They're going to put up their numbers. I think the bigger question for Boise State, which was a question fans had all season going in, can this defense be good enough to to you know win some high scoring games here if the offense scores some points? So um, yeah, I think we all saw the. Well, the 700-plus yards or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, this will be two weeks in a row, I guess, Boise State's going up against the, the number one pass offense in the country or whatever it is. So, I mean, it's a, uh, it's a big challenge for Boise State's defense. And I think that if Boise State's going to win this game, that's where it's going to be won, the defense improving. Um, but, you know, I will say this. You guys mentioned the atmosphere and stuff earlier. Uh, even with the home record not being what it is and all that, the last, like, three years, there's uh, Boise State or Albertson Stadium has the most false starts for opponents of any stadium in the country. Um, I mean, it, it's loud. Teams come in there in that south end zone. I mean, there was like two or three games last year where literally before the other team's first offensive play, they full started. Like, uh, it, it's just um, it, it's it, it is a difference maker, and I think that the fans are hoping, and I guess the players and team are hoping that it's one of those classic nights where uh, whether Boise State is you know is the better team or not, they kind of get you know willed by the the mystique of the blue turf and the fans to kind of help them find a way to win this game.
1: All right, BJ. We'll wrap up. I got two questions for you. One, not serious, one serious. This comes from a listener, uh, Andy. What's the weirdest NIL deal someone has at Boise State?
5: it's uh, a good question. I mean, you got like a lot of guys getting like trade-outs for food and stuff. The uh, the linebacker number 52, DJ Schram, has a NIL deal at a barber uh, beard shop. So he gets like cream and free uh, beard cuts and things and does some things for them. Um I don't know about weird ones. I mean, you got the standard ones. I, a lot of it's just like trading meals for social media posts and things like that. But a, a guy getting free beard trims for some stuff might be might be up there. Um, nothing super crazy though. I, I, maybe there's something at, at UCF, which is why they're asking. Uh, I don't know, but uh, nothing that I can think of where it's just like, oh, that's crazy.
1: I think the correct answer we were looking for was potatoes. But uh, oh, here's no. here's.
0: <laughs> I'm telling
5: you, I challenge anybody that comes to Boise this weekend to find me a potato farm. You won't. I've lived okay. in Idaho ten years and I've yet to see one. Like everybody says, Boise State or Idaho is just potatoes and nothing else. It couldn't be further from the truth. There is a yeah. restaurant called Boise Fry Company where you can go get like ten different kinds of fries and all these seasonings and all this, and it's a good re- spot. But like the whole mist, it's a huge. It's as big as a big of a misnomer as birds flying and crashing into the blue turf and before practice the trainer has to come out and you know squeegee off the, the dead birds like it just, it's not true it doesn't happen and there's a lot more to idaho than potatoes i can promise it's you that. The,
3: the famous idaho potato bowl stigma it is it
5: is and they have and they have this like this like fake potato on a big 18 wheel truck for the idaho potato commission that drives around the country and they call it the world's biggest potato and uh that's all we're known for but uh it, there's again lived here almost 10 years and i've yet to see a potato farm so
1: all right last one for you finish this sentence for me boise state will win if uh they
5: need uh, multiple turnovers on defense i think they had no turnovers against washington they like i said the defense did not play well in that game so i think the defense needs to play much better you need guys to step up and uh, I think you need to get a, create a couple turnovers and, and get some pressure on the quarterback. They had very little pressure. You know, Michael Penix Jr. was only sacked five times last year. They did sack him on the opening possession of the game and then basically never got in the backfield the rest of the game. So I think Boise State has to find a way to get some pressure on the quarterback create a couple turnovers and get the crowd behind them early. I mean, if they fall behind early, I don't think that's a good sign. I think they need to get a lead, get the crowd behind them, and 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 just try to find a way. I mean, they're, they're fighting for their lives up here. I mean, you guys talking about this being a big game for the rest of the season for UCF, I heard you guys saying earlier. I mean, this is a huge season, season-defining game for Boise State. I mean, there's folks up here questioning Andy Avalos in his third year here and, and kind of the direction of the program and where things are going. And like I said, a lot of rational fans, I mean – UCS favored in this game. Boise State should be 0-2 after this game. So, but a lot of fans are like, you know, saying, oh, if they're 0-2, there's got to be some serious changes and all this kind of stuff. So uh, it is a huge game. Somebody said it was the biggest game in the last decade. I'm not sure I'd quite go that far, but it is a in terms of what they're trying to do for the stadium expansion, this the North End Zone project, they're trying to get some more donations for that. Uh, for all this conference realignment talk and everything. I mean, this is a massive game. And Boise State's got their back against the wall. As I said, they haven't been 0-2 since 2005. So um, I think Boise State's going to come out and play inspired, going to have a huge crowd. But whether or not that's enough to, to get a win against a very, very good UCF team, I think remains to be seen. But I think it's it, to answer your question, Boise State's defense has to show up, has to play well, has to create some turnovers and get some pressure in the backfield.
1: All right, he's BJ reigns He does a great job covering all things Boise State for Bronco News Nation. BJ, thanks for hopping in with us, man. Good luck on Saturday, and hopefully we'll catch up with you real soon, okay?
5: Yeah, no problem. It's actually Bronco Nation News, so folks, are looking forward it. It's yeah, bronconationnews.com uh, is the website, but uh, we, I love the show you guys are doing, and we do something similar with our stuff, and uh should be fun, man. Looking forward to it. All love for UCF fans, and uh, looking forward to seeing everybody in town in the next couple of days. Make sure you hit up 8th Street, 6th Street, have fun downtown, and uh, looking forward to a fun game on Saturday.
1: Great, thanks, BJ. Take care. Thanks, guys. That was BJ Reigns. Obviously, a good uh, perspective on uh, on Boise State, uh, gentlemen. What are your thoughts after hearing from BJ? Are you less concerned about this game, more concerned, or the same level of concern, Eric? Same, uh, same.
2: It's ironic. It's going to come down to an Eric Chenander defense. <laughs> against UCF, I mean, I mean, I'm surprised we haven't really talked about that that much. Eric Chenander is the East coordinator at Boise State. I think there could be a lot of points in this game, and it's going to come down to John Rice Plumley and his decision making. Does he make the right decisions? UCF should be the more physical football team than Boise State. I think there's a lot of advantages that UCF has, especially in the skill position against their young secondary. But can John Rice Plumley execute that, and can UCF protect the football? I think UCF should win this game. They're the better team, but it's at Boise. And Boise sounds like a desperate team, according to BJ there, like kind of from that standpoint of, you know, the fans getting a little restless there.
4: It's
3: not going to be
2: easy going into Boise.
3: That famous blue turf, whether it's a stigma or not, it's going to be tough for us to play there, I think. The crowd is going to be ready. They are, uh, as BJ alluded to, they've kind of got their back up against the wall. It's, you know, they're looking at an 0-2 start to the season. I think they're going to come out ready to play. We are now the Power 5 team coming into – the, uh, the G5 team stadium, right? So they're going to be pumped up. Uh, I think I read somewhere that Boise is 22-8 and eight at home in their last several games. Uh, so it, it's very much like playing in the bounce house. They've got that home field advantage. And we saw JRP you know, throwing into some double coverage, triple coverage against Kent State last week. If he continues to do things like that against this Boise team, and they do get those turnovers like BJ alluded to, I think we could be in for a long night.
1: Well, like you mentioned, Brian, obviously now a power five team is UCF in the big 12s. that had a bit of a rough week uh, in week one of college football. Luckily, our man Jeff Allen is here to give us the big 12 minute and I want to expect in week two.
6: Our feature game that does not feature UCF is number 11, Texas at number 3, Alabama. Next year, it's an SEC game. This year, Texas flies in under the Big 12 banner. Both teams won their season opening warm-up and now face their first real test of the 23 campaign. Last year, Bama eked out a 20-19 to win over the horns behind Bryce Young scrambling. They got the Crimson Tide in field goal range to deliver the victory. Texas dominated early on behind quarterback Quinn Ewers before he left with a shoulder injury. He's back under center again for the Longhorns this year, who have a top flight receiving core. Jalen Milrow was impressive in his debut as the Tide quarterback last week, accounting for five TDs against Middle Tennessee. This one is opposite the UCF game Saturday night at 7 on ESPN. The rest of the slate looks like this: Friday night, Kansas entertains Illinois, 7:30 on ESPN. Two Saturday, Baylor tries to bounce back from its loss to Texas State as they host number 11 Utah, 12 noon on ESPN. Number 15 Kansas State hosts Troy at noon on FS1. BYU welcomes Southern Utah, three o'clock on ESPN Plus. Number 18 Oklahoma gets a visit from SMU, six o'clock on ESPN Plus. West Virginia hosts Duquesne, 6 o'clock on ESPN+. Cincinnati pays a visit to Pittsburgh, 6.30 on the CW. Texas Tech has a home date with number 13, Oregon, 7 o'clock on Fox. Houston makes a trip across town to battle Rice, 7 o'clock on the NFL Network. TCU looks to rebound from that loss to Colorado as they host Nichols, 8 o'clock on ESPN+. Oklahoma State will visit future Big 12 conference member Arizona State, 10.30 on Fox. UCF, of course, makes that long trip west to battle Boise State 7 o'clock on FS1. I like the Knights on a late Colton field goal to win 33-31. to 31. With the Big 12 Minutes, I'm Jeff Allen.
1: What's up? Jeff Allen is correct. A couple of cheap plugs before we get to our next guest. One, make sure you check out sonsofucf.com. We have some great articles. One by our friend Brian W. Peterson who's with us tonight and a fantastic piece by Dolly Drama. Dolly's got some, some really cool stuff. Really great article this week by Dolly. So make sure you check out sonsofucf.com. And a fun announcement. The Sons of UCF are going to be partnering with Bolay, And uh, we've got a special partnership with Bolay. that's all about you, the fans. So here's what they're going to do. Pay attention to our social media feeds on Saturday. They're going to give away a tailgate cater for up to 10 people uh, based on a little contest that we're going to run. So pay attention to our social media feed on Saturday, and you could win a tailgate cater based uh, from our good friends at Bole. So keep uh, keep Sons of UCF on your Twitter feeds or your X feeds on the top of your mind. And let's uh, let's bring in our next guest. He was here with us last week. We had some technical stuff. We, we threw some stuff at him last minute, but he's kind enough, probably the nicest person I've ever met, to join us again this week. Legendary coach Paul Lounsbury is back with us again. Coach, thanks for giving us one more shot. Glad to see you this time around. How are you right now?
4: Thanks. Uh, I'm good, Adam. Thank you. And Eric and Bill, I, I'm, I'm really glad to be here.
1: All right, let's start with this coach. obviously a 56 to 6 win, a, a pretty pretty easy win for the Knights as a coach, what do you take out of a win like that where your team didn't really get tested but obviously played well. What's the message? What do you take out of a game like that?
4: Well you all the coaches are going to break it down play by play step by step and correct the errors that were made. Uh, we did have three turnovers and I know that was uh, corrected and we had seven penalties I think. I know those were emphasized as well, but uh, we we were supposed to win big. We did win big, and that's what you do when you're when you outman an opponent. You you play you should play uh, up to that standard and and uh, beat them like you're supposed to. And we did that. And I think so. that's a plus and minus thing. It's it's positive that we did that, and yet we have uh, enough first game mistakes to get their attention and get them corrected for uh, for this coming week.
2: Coach, what would you think of the line play, especially in the offensive line? Coach Han has talked about the depth, the most depth they've had there. What did you see there? Did you like what you see? Can this line be a physical line that could do some
4: damage? I think they are a physical line. If you if you looked uh, at the Kent State game, there were several times when they demolished uh, the Kent State line, especially down on the goal line. A couple of times they just they knocked everybody back in the end zone, and we do have a lot of depth there. Uh, I don't. Uh, we've had better offensive linemen at UCF in the past. I know uh, as individual linemen, but I think this may be as, as good a depth as they've had. And uh, I really like this line. They're a hardworking bunch, and Coach Hans done a great job with them. And they're they'll be ready to go, and they're going to be uh, aggressive, and they're going to be working hard. And they're they're going to need to because uh, Boise State's a good football team. You know, they they haven't had a losing season since 1997. And 18 of those years, they've had 10 wins or more since 1997, and two of those were completely undefeated seasons. So this is a good football team and a good program that we're facing, uh, and and our, our offensive line is going to have to play very well. Coach, the
3: team is having to fly out to Boise, Idaho. So you know we're crossing over time zones. We're we're moving out west. Uh, We're having to go on to play on the blue field. A lot has been made about the bugaboo of the blue field as a, as a coach. Do you think that that really plays into uh, how UCF is going to perform on Saturday, all the the time travel in the blue field? Is that anything to concern yourself
4: with? Well, obviously time travel is a little bit of a concern because it's a little longer than we normally go, Brian, but, but the blue turf, I don't think is going to be an issue at all. Uh, I mean, these guys are, are, um, smart enough and, and mature enough that they can deal with all of that and I think they can deal with the travel as well so I'm not concerned about either of those two things really I, I just think we have to play our best and and uh, and be focused the whole time and like uh, like you all have mentioned already we can't turn the ball over and we got to get a couple turnovers
1: Coach, it's often said that teams make their biggest improvements from week one to week two. I know you have an opportunity to kind of be around the team a little bit. What was the focus of practice like this week? What was kind of the, the message and the attitude that that you saw or you heard about from practice this week?
4: Well, certainly that was the focus on, on improving from the first week to the second week and making the corrections that, uh, on the mistakes that were made and and uh, coaching the, the fine points, the fundamentals, and the techniques that that need to be improved. And uh, I, I'll tell you, we have a wonderful coaching staff there. They did a great job of that. And and beyond that, Coach Malzahn has done a fabulous job of mentally getting them focused and ready to go. And I, I just think we're going to play really well because I've seen it at practice all week. They, they're they ready to go again. And they know, they know how good a team that uh, Boise is. They also feel like that they should beat Boise, but they know how good a team it is, and it's at, at their place, so... And they know the hunger that Boise has to try to get into a Power Four conference, uh, and and because they've felt that before, so it's it's going to be an interesting game, and I'm excited about it because I think our guys are going to play really well.
2: You mentioned there are some things you think they can clean up from week one to week two. What are a couple things you you want to you think are keys for this Saturday in Boise that UCF needs to address?
4: Well, certainly uh, the turnovers is number one, and the penalties are number two. The turnover, uh, the fumble that that John Rice made, uh, he shouldn't have made. I mean, he just didn't take care of the ball, and uh, that's been pointed out to him. And he knew that already when he came off the sideline. Um, The passes, uh, he probably shouldn't have thrown either one of those, but uh, that's a little different different thing, you know. But um, the penalties, again, there are stupid penalties and there are penalties. And if you have a pre-snap penalty and offside or a a illegal procedure penalty, that's not excusable. If you have a holding call or a late hit, sometimes those are, or even a pass interference, those, those things happen, you know? So um, I think they've approached it the right way. They're trying to eliminate the stupid penalties. And, and uh, I think they're going to also ask John Rice uh, not to run less, but to, be a little more careful when he's running about getting down on the ground and, and, or getting out of bounds and not taking the hits because uh, uh, that takes a toll as the season progresses. So uh, I think all of that's been addressed very well. And I think those are keys to the game. I think our defensive line has to play well because that quarterback is, is actually a very athletic and good quarterback and we've got to contain him and we've got to put some heat on him. And, uh, that's going to be interesting. Again, I think the game's going to be one up front both offensively and defensively.
3: Coach, we had a you know pretty good performance against Kent State last week 56 to 6 at the final score. yeah there were some things we can improve upon. you heard coach Melzahn talk about it in his presser this week that we need to execute better and you know clean up some things. as a former coach you know you're going into this Boise game which is a pretty big game it's the next game on the schedule obviously how do you keep the guys motivated after coming off of a 56 to six win, you know, thinking, okay, you know, we played pretty well. We don't need to improve perhaps. How how do you keep them motivated? What are you saying to them during this week of prep? I
4: I really don't think you have to say a lot because these guys are pretty mature and they know that Boise is the best team on our schedule for the first three. And we need that momentum going into the, to the big 12 conference play. So I think they know what's going on, and they know that Boise is a good team. Like I said, they haven't had a losing season since 1997, and they've had a 18 years in that time frame of 10-plus or plus, 10 plus wins for each season. So they know what a good team they're at. They know they're having to go into a hostile environment, but they're also confident that they can get it done, and I think that combination is really good. So I don't think you really have to say a lot to them, they know what's at stake here, and uh, I think Coach Malzon and his coaches have prepared them mentally for this really well. So I, I think you're going to see a really prepared and, and focused team. Now, Washington got behind early against Boise, and, uh, and, and you know, it was a two-touchdown game going into the fourth quarter, or two-score game anyway. So uh, it wasn't exactly a blowout uh, until the fourth quarter. So – uh, and Washington's a very, very good team with maybe one of the best, maybe the best quarterback in the country. So we have to be and our players know that they've seen the film. They, they the coaches have told them they they know that. So it's going to be an interesting game because I think our guys are going to be really ready to play, but they're going to have to be to win.
1: Coach, I'm not sure what you're allowed to reveal here, but there was talk that UCF would be practicing at the Masters Academy because of the blue field. Do you know if that actually took place?
4: that's not legal because it's a not uh, it's not a contact period you can't go on to a campus the coaches and and everybody like that it would be construed as a recruiting violation so no it did not happen but I don't think it was necessary I mean it would have been nice to just to say we did it but uh, it, it wasn't legal so they did they decided not to do it
1: I was gonna. Ask, what's the craziest thing you've had to do at a practice? What's the craziest kind of thing you've had to get a team prepared? Is it, is it the color field? Is it, is it rain? Is it, is it crowd noise? What's the craziest thing you've ever had to try to prepare a team for?
4: I think uh, probably the the number one thing was crowd noise because when we were playing the SEC teams in Florida and Florida State and all those teams, um, we had not had until we started doing that we had not had to deal with that crowd noise before and. So we had to develop a silent cadence, one in which our our offensive line were looking at the ball uh, for the snap because you couldn't hear even from the center to a tackle. It was really hard to hear. So um, uh, I think I think that was probably the most difficult thing was dealing with the with the technique of getting the ball snapped on time and getting everybody moving due to crowd noise. That is a it is an issue. How much is the travel? We're going to be talking a lot
2: about traveling this year with the long distance travel. How big of a deal is that? Is that a big deal, little deal we may blow out of proportion? How does a team prepare for long flights that maybe they're not accustomed to? I mean, obviously, you know, I don't think anybody in that trip has gone to Boise.
4: Well, each team is different, and each individual is different the way they deal with it. But I don't think it's a big deal because, uh, you know, it's going to be two hours more maybe than what they're used to. Uh, I think the coaches have planned well for that and they'll have uh, the regular um, uh, routine once they get there. So uh, it'll be the hardest thing will be on the way home, uh, you know, getting back later and and trying to get ready for the next week, I think. But I don't think the travel distance is going to be a huge issue. Uh, It's not it's not an advantage. Certainly it's a disadvantage, but I don't think it's a huge one.
3: Coach, they've got a good – Boise has a really good quarterback, dual threat, very similar to JRP. Are we
4: looking at a shootout here, do you think? You never know. They've they've uh, they've got some firepower. Um, I, again, I think it comes down to what we do up front, both on offense and defense. If we can contain their running game and contain the quarterback and put a little heat on him uh, defensively, that's going to change what they can do. And offensively, we have to be able to run the ball and throw the ball. So – Uh, I think it comes down to what goes on up front and uh, they're talented up there. They got a kid named Dimitri Williams, number 38. That's a really good player. Um, And, and some of the other guys, they're strong, hard-nosed guys they are well-coached. And and at the same time you, you, because they're well-coached, you're not going to get the surprise of a guy going into the wrong gap or something. You know what I'm saying? That, that throws all your blocking schemes, awry sometimes now if that happens you certainly can take advantage of it if you're if you're fortunate but sometimes that creates problems i don't think you'll see that with boise i think they're just a very solidly coached uh disciplined team so uh it comes down to man on man and and doing their job and getting it done
1: all right coach we'll wrap you up with this one uh a lot's being made about the blue field of course we know that already Boise announced today they're wearing all blue uniforms as well. Is that a competitive advantage? Is that, or is that just a myth of, of them wearing blue on the blue turf?
4: I think it, it, I don't know. I, I really don't know if it's a competitive advantage or not, unless they're hiding somebody in the turf. You know, they might be, if they're, if everybody's in all blue, they might hide well. I don't know. But, uh, I, I really don't think, uh, that's a huge advantage. Uh, but, uh, I don't know. I've never played out there, I never coached out there. So, um, it's, I don't have any firsthand information to tell you, except I think our guys are going to be ready for it. Well, course,
1: by the fact that you're talking to us on Thursday night, I assume that means you are not going out to Boise. So what's game day like at the Lounsbury household? What are we having to eat? What are we, what are we having to drink? <laughs> give me a give me the spread on Saturday night.
4: Well, uh, I'm going to Mike Cullison's house. Mike was the first quarterback at UCF. So I'm going to his house and, He's providing all that. So I'm just Smart. kicking back and enjoying the games. And, and no to other other players from my era there. So uh, I'm looking forward to having a good time with those guys. No
3: cleanup clean that way. No like cleanup,
1: yeah. Just oh, leave absolutely. Yeah, veteran move, Coach. That's why you were a veteran <laughs> and a legend at UCF. We appreciate you taking some more time. Maybe we'll have you come back again another week and, and talk some ball with us. But thanks so much for hopping on with us tonight.
4: Well, thank you. I love it, doing it. And uh, go Knights, charge on.
1: Thanks, Coach. Thanks, we appreciate coach. it. Thanks, Coach. That I man's a legend. That Obviously, was awesome. <laughs> the guy who recruited Dante Culpepper knows, knows more football than – he's forgotten more football than the three of us will ever know. Uh, let's uh, let's quickly kind of go uh, around the kingdom. I have to play the sounder, though, or Trace gets really mad, so I'll play the sounder now. Marcellus Marshall, offensive line. Let's go around the kingdom. He does. He gets really mad if I don't play in the sounders. Uh, women's soccer, 3-2 on Sunday. They play uh, USF this uh, Saturday. Eric, what happened? <laughs> UCF men's soccer up 2-0. Give up two late goals, a tie to FIU. That's the rare tie that felt like a loss, right?
2: right? Two goals in the last seven minutes, couldn't hold it. If they would have won that, they would have had marquee wins against Clemson and FIU. They would have made a case to be number one ranked next week in the polls. As it is, they're number six in the United Soccer polls. They'll host Brown Saturday night. I'll have the call of that match on
1: Saturday yes. night. So what Let's not I mean, yeah, Let's not so that's not bury the lead Yeah, Eric what? Lopez on the call. So- So
2: either have it on the side as you're watching football or watch it after football, however you prefer, as long as, you know, you watch, you click in.
1: You have your homework assignment, friends. Football and Eric Lopez, nothing beat you. And volleyball. Andy flashed us earlier. Uh, they swept FSU 3 0 as part of the UCF Invitational and uh, Saturday versus North Texas. This is awkward. There's a new show on our channel called Around the Kingdom with Eric Lopez and Trace Trelko. And a little behind the scenes here. Obviously, <laughs> Trace is usually on at this point in time. So I try to play a clip of Eric because he's not on with us. But this week, the clip was Eric just was so good. I am sorry, Trey. He's in this traces, of course. But this, oh, this, this clip was. by Eric Lopez is just fantastic.
2: Why Why use him when you have other kickers uh, on the roster? So not, I'm not what a big fan. other kickers. He's a kicker. What else is he doing throughout the rest of the game? Are There's you fatigue me? when you're kicking off. Fatigue, eight, nine times. kicking the ball. Poor guy. Like get out of here. Like he's not making tackles, playing 80 snaps. If he's the best kicker and he has the best leg on the team, of course you use him on the kickoff. You've got to play field position. What, are we going by committee with kickers? Get out of here. What, 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 what's wrong with you? Well, here? they did oh, last
0: I, season. They had a different guy kicking off last season. I'm fine with a different guy kicking off. I disagree.
2: Off. No, get him. give me the best kickoff guy. It's silly. We have two different guys doing separate roles. Give me the best guy. If that's the same guy, then so be it.
1: Am I wrong? Anything you want to add to that? (laughs) Watching
3: Adam try and hold it together on the screen there is the best part of that segment. No, it's
1: great. Yeah.
2: Listen, listen, what's worse? Trace making excuses now for kickers being fatigued and they can't do kickoffs, or making excuses for his beloved Texas Tech Red Raiders blowing
1: a big lead against Wyoming Red Raider Trace is not going to like that. Uh, Brian, what's up next, buddy? Do you know? I bet it's that time again.
3: It's that time again. Time to open the Brian W. Peterson Sons of UCF mailbag.
1: You were right, Brian. It is that time again. And, geez. You're not Uh, as dressed up uh,
0: live as you are on TV. No, I'm not, I'm not.
1: Yeah, really peeling the curtain back on the magic here. But we have a video question. Our friend Robert wants uh, to ask us something.
0: Hey boys, two letters, two words here with a question. I'm in
1: my car on the way to uh, Boise, Idaho. No, not really, Mike. We
5: fly places. Anyway, the question is this. Based on the game against Kent State, if that is an indication of what we're going to see all year long, did you see enough difference between the play calling from last year to now and between the play of JRP from last year to now?
1: Thanks, boys. Go Knights. Charge on. (laughs) Right, full disclosure, I wasn't listening because I was distracted while Eric Lopez, uh, Lopez put his glasses on. Uh, so I think his question was, did you see a lot of change in the play calling, Brian?
3: You know, uh, night and day was thrown around quite a bit. I don't know that we saw necessarily a night and day from uh, our quarterback, JRP. However, the, I did see some, uh, some differences in play calling in the fact that we were able to run tempo at the start of the game. We were moving pretty quick. We moved down the field. And then as the game started to move on and we were, you know, we were scoring more, uh, we were able to slow it down. So um, if we can see some more consistency out of JRP, then yeah. Uh, But I was happy with the
2: tempo versus the slowdown. It's Kent State, by the way. Let's not like let's Uh, not break down how much of the playbook. I don't want to use a lot of the playbook. I hope we didn't use a lot.
1: All right, we got a couple of, uh, on the blue turf. Zeebles, UCF, bar 87. So, Elo, this one's for you. Blue turf, what are your thoughts? Do we like it as a thing? Should UCF do a gold turf? Like, what do you think about the blue turf? Yes, gold turf. Oh, of course, you
2: had to bring up gold with Brian here. <laughs> it had to be the turf. Look, that was their thing. They, they came up with that a long time ago. I think one other school, Eastern Washington, I want to say, has a red turf. I don't know. It kind of gets a little crazy after a while. That's their thing. Let's not copy it. That's their thing. Give them credit. Give them a lot of attention. But I'm perfectly fine with green grass, uh, you know, in in the field. So let's see how they perform.
1: All right. This one's uh, from at Rejoice Knights. Brian, will JRP protect his body better in this game?
2: He better.
3: I mean, we we have our whole season ahead of us still. I mean, that was he was throwing everything he had at Kent State. And we need him to be healthy throughout the season. So I think the coaches got on him pretty hard about that. I think we're going to see a change.
1: Eric, this is non-UCF, but I think this is for you from uh, Emptiness4. Hey, did you know that Dion in Colorado won their game this week? He hasn't seen any media coverage on that.
2: Yeah, if only somebody would give him some coverage or give him a microphone. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty big. Pretty big win there. Uh, over 7 million people watched him beat TCU. A couple things there. I don't think TCU is very good this year, uh, but if you're Brett you Mark, you're excited because you potentially might have prime time in your league next year, which will bring a- eyeballs to your conference. So Win-win for the Big 12.
1: Elo, I'll stay with you on this one from Grillin24Q. John Rice Plumley is he a runner who plays QB, or do you think he's evolved into a QB who happens to run?
2: I think we're going to find out this Saturday. I want to see what he does against a team like Boise State. Uh, you know, Last year, clearly, he was a runner playing the quarterback position. I like some of the mechanics I saw against Kent State, but that's Kent State. Let's see what he does against Boise State. I think we'll have a better answer for that after this
1: week. Brian, Joel Likes Sports asks, we saw Timmy McLean play. He looked pretty good. So he wonders, what's your confidence level if Timmy McLean has to come into the game for JRP? I'm
3: okay with him coming into the game. I I would have liked to see him play, get a few more reps in the Kent State game. I felt like we left the starters then a little too long, perhaps. So we could have uh, maybe missed an opportunity to get Timmy some more reps, but uh, I would feel okay with him coming into play in relief. I don't think that's going to happen unless it absolutely has to, unless JRP gets hurt or, you know, we run the score up and we see him in garbage time.
1: Elo from Troy OTC. Is Gus's ability to evaluate a quarterback a concern? Given the success we saw Mikey Keene have uh, at Fresno State versus Purdue, and then JRP having three turnovers versus a MAC team, Gus's ability to uh, evaluate QB, is that a concern?
2: No, because he also evaluated. He got Cam Newton, who was the number one overall pick. I think we're going to have to get used to in this new era with the transfer portal. We're going to have guys, quarterbacks, and other positions that are going to leave and do well. Uh, I saw Tatum Bethune in person this Sunday night play really well for Florida State, but we don't bring attention to that because he's a linebacker. We bring up the quarterback. So, no, I'm not concerned about how Gus evaluates quarterbacks because he has a certain quarterback for a certain style. So, no.
1: Brian at D Miller, seven, eight, nine, six wants to know who's your favorite receiver and why is it Kobe Hudson?
3: You know, I got to say that Xavier, uh, Xavier Townsend is my uh, my go to guy right now after that performance last week. I don't see how you can see anybody else that uh, I mean, he may not officially be on the depth chart as wide receiver one, but he is in my heart.
1: <laughs> Eric, we have a kicker question. Of course, this one has to go to you uh, from M underscore Amen UCF. With lighter air out west, can Colton Boomer hit one from 55 or 60?
2: Ooh, that's a great question. I think he could, right? Like, unlike last year, remember we tried one long and it was short. I, I think he could. That's an opportunity. By the way, I want Trace to do sunglasses during the mailbag segments moving forward. All right, I mean, I'm being committed okay. here to Brian W. Peterson. I think Trace should be a team player when Brian W. Peterson's a mailbag segment and said We're looking good. I'm not gonna lie. Am I? Am right? Am I? Say, Adam is kind of selling out. He's
1: refusing to sunba- join. If are in the other room. I'd have to leave to go get them, and so oh, I, we don't want that's that. the reason. So, yeah, Well, maybe some people do, Eric. Let's stay with you on this one. At 407 Enthusiast, how concerned should we be about how easy it was for Kent State to throw open wide receiver targets in the middle of the field, Eric?
2: I think that is a concern. Uh, I am very worried about the secondary. It's still very young. We still have questions there. I think Boise State will challenge that. We're definitely going to get challenged in the Big 12 once, once we get into that. That's the biggest question I have on the defensive side of the ball, and that's why I think it's imperative – that this defensive line get past, uh, put some pressure with four and not having to blitz. I do worry about that. I think Quadric Bullard might be the key guy in that secondary. He needs to stay healthy, I think, for the secondary to be good.
1: Brian, at sublime underscore night, wants to know, if the final record was guaranteed to be the same, would you rather watch a game each week that was close and tight down to the wire or a game that UCF wins easily every week?
3: I'm selfish, so I'm going to say easy game just because i'm a nervous watcher i pace a lot i'm back and forth i am uncomfortable if the score is close uh but our ratings guru eric might say that uh the ratings might be better if it was a close game
2: this is true yes tv wants close games they don't want blowouts and uh we want to be on big time networks and not remote broadcast yeah
1: This is from our friend Andy at UCF XOS, which, by the way, has a great breakdown video that we did yesterday. It's available on our uh, YouTube channel. Breaks down some plays from UCF Kent State. Eric, for you, any UCF players from the past or present you wish got to see play offense and defense a la Travis Hunter? Oh, that's a good. Well, technically,
2: right, Brandon Marshall and Mike Sims Walker did that back in 2004 out of necessity. Uh, I'm not sure if we wanted to do that. Well, that's a great question. Play two. And Evans did it in the uh, Gasparilla bowl. Right? And the Gasparilla bowl helped. Uh, yeah, you're right. Against <laughs> yeah. uh, Marshall. You're right. That's a Kristen good one. Tristan Hill
1: had that, had that block in the, uh, in the bone play. How about a Mike
2: Hughes? Get him a little wide receiver snaps there, right? With his yeah. speed. I mean, we saw he could do as a returner, as a corner. Give him some snaps as a receiver.
1: Give me Dante as a linebacker. That would have been fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Brian, this one for you at Rejoice Knights. How many games do you anticipate having JRP for this season?
3: I'm going to stay positive. We're going to stay all 12, all 13, all 14, 15. We're going to the I'm national I mean,
1: how, how many is this here? <laughs> all of them is the answer. All of them. All uh, of them. Elo, here we go. From uh, P underscore Gilly was expecting big things from Decorian Patterson didn't even really record any stats last Thursday do you see him playing a bigger role in the secondary going forward
2: uh we'll see time will tell again don't get caught up in last week uh it's the first game guys want to get certain players in there check back in a couple weeks if we haven't if he hasn't played much by the time we get to Villanova then I would say maybe he's not going to be a big factor but as we know guys will have opportunities through with injuries or poor play so let's 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 kind of wait and see
1: Brian, at Ethan of 126, which member of the Suns family, including new additions, would have the best record coaching UCF for one season?
3: Ooh, that's a good question. Well, the only one with legitimate coaching experience has to be you, Adam, right? You've coached a football team. Five football team, four and three on the season, that's right. If I'm picking a coach, you're my guy. I I think you're going to have that record wrapped up, right? Oh,
1: I don't know. Andy. Andy seems to know a little bit about football too.
2: Andy does know quite a bit about football. You, you yeah, but Andy kind of... Andy's not the host and the producer. So Brian's smart. He that's wants that's to be true. brought back on the <laughs> I show. Know, I know where my bread is buttered.
1: <laughs> that's a fair point. Elo at Black Gold underscore Ed. What do you think about JRP's video of him throwing that ball on the golf course and hitting the flag? Is that edited or is that real?
2: Ooh, that's an Eric Desalvo masterpiece. There, I I think it's edited. Um, it was pretty unique, but, yeah, I mean, I know those UCF people behind the scenes. They're very creative. I'm going to say it's edited, and uh, but, hey, you know, let's make – it's all about content.
1: All about content, and we'll I wrap got, up with this. I people from... worked up about uh, – Yeah, you were all upset video. there, bro. Ooh, uh, yes. you, were like, you? You, you were freaking
3: out. You thought it was during the week. <laughs> I was week. filling in for UCF, Mike. I had to do something controversial. Oh,
1: that's big shoes. Yeah, well, you didn't yell at anybody. Uh, Brian, for you, uh, from uh, at Joe, 21717, way too many numbers, Joe. Are Kobe and Javon going to get more targets in the red zone this week? You talked about Xavier Townsend. He got a lot of targets. Do you think Kobe and Javon will see a similar number of targets?
3: I think we're going to have to see them targeted more. It didn't feel like uh, Baker got very many targets at all. I don't know if that's just because it was double coverage and Xavier was open. Uh, Kobe had a couple plays. But, uh, yeah, we're going to need all hands on deck, including Baker and Hudson.
1: All right, boys. We did. We pulled off an entire show, and I'm also proud to let everybody know this is the only UCF podcast with a former student body president and a current broadcaster. The only podcast out there you'll find from UCF. <laughs> Brian ELO, thanks for uh, thanks for stepping in, filling in tonight. I'm glad to have both of you all working with the Suns again. Check out Eric on Around the Kingdom. Uh, all the work he does there with Trace is really cool. And, uh, again, Sons of UCF.com for all the work that Brian W. Peterson is providing. But we have a big one Saturday night, boys. Until then, everybody take care of each other. Uh, have a great weekend. Go Knights. Ciao John, John, That's your guys right there. There we go. Yeah. What's up, everybody? It's
2: Jakey Griffin here. And thank you for watching the Sons of
1: UCF. we got to practice that ending. We've got to get that better next time. <laughs>